It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall. Jamie Dew. All right. Thank you, Doug Denance. It is great to be here in the SNL Hall of Fame. Welcome to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast, a weekly affair. Each episode, we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and help determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity in the hall. That's right. That's how we play the game. It's really quite simple. And we're thrilled to have you here with us. This has been a great season so far, and it's about to get that much better as we invite SNN correspondent, superfan, Sammy Kay into the conversation room with Thomas Senna to discuss the career of writer Julio Torres. This should be a good one. I'm looking very forward to this. Will Julio be rewarded or will he be punished for being a writer? We shall see when voting commences. I'm getting way ahead of myself, though. Before you get into this building, you gotta wipe those feet. That's all there is to it. Let's uh, walk down the hallway to my friend Matt Ardill in his Matt's Minutia Minute corner and uh, get to know a little bit more about Julio. What do you say? Matt! Matt! Julio Torres! Yeah, JD, I can't wait. Like, this is one of, this one's another one of my picks uh, right. from the draft, and I am looking forward to, to this one. I'm looking Let's forward see. to all of them, but this one in particular. Because no, be this is this is your pick. Yeah, I understand that. That's great. Yeah. So talk to me because I know precious little about uh, Julio Torres. Yeah, he's he's pretty private. Um, to be honest, Julio Torres, I don't know his height. One of the few people I've not been able to track that that down. So when I do the chart, he's going to be a big question mark. Oh man, uh, he's makes me feel very old. He is born February 11th, 1987. Jeez um, Louise. He co-created Los Espookies with Fred Armisen and Anna Fabigia, as well as uh, working working on the Chris Gethard, Gethard show uh, oh, as a writer. So did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So he got to start on Gethard and then went on to SNL and then all sorts of stuff followed. Um, he is born. He was born in El Salvador to a civil engineer uh, who is his father. And an architect slash fashion designer mother. Uh, his mother has collaborated uh, with him and his sister uh, on comedy projects. Um, they he picked up some skills from his mom, um, and his mom and his sister actually make a lot of his clothes or have them made. His quote he, uh, I have of him is: "My mother and sister know a tailor in El Salvador." who can make anything I sketch with their assistance. So when you see him doing shows, it's often outfits that he, his mom, and his sister have made together. Oh, that's um, cool. 
Yeah. So he took literary studies at the New York school or excuse me. He took literary studies at the new school in New York. Okay. Um, even as a student, his goal out of the gate was to become a comedy writer, which a lot of the times you don't start that way. You kind of fall into comedy writing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was his goal. Um, he has an HBO special from 2019 called my favorite shapes and is credited with nine writing credits and 25 acting credits as well as four producer credits. Um, he starts his comedy central standup special, uh, by introducing himself as Julio and Aquarius. His favorite color is clear and starts all of his emails. Well, 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 um, his special is named I'm a vegan and I'm so sorry, uh, <laughs> where he takes the stage with his best friend, crystal, a four foot tall talking crystal. Uh, so this sort of sets the tone of what to expect. Um, I think he and Sarah Sherman would get along very well, um, or fight to the death as they both seem to have very similar (laughs) sentiments around comedy. Um, he appeared on the tonight show eight times as a correspondent and has appeared three times on late night, uh, appeared on the, former SNL writing team, Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider's show. The other two in the episode chase turns 14 and has also been in an episode of Bob's burgers. Itutina Tambien. Huh. Um, he deliberately avoids um, political comedy, preferring to focus on his personal experiences and viewpoints, um, which, you know, is probably good because those are so surreal and wild and awesome. Um, it's, it's great to hear a unique voice like his. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear a couple other unique voices. Sammy Kay back in the SNL Hall of Fame talking with our friend Thomas Senna. Uh, you ready to hear that conversation, Matt? I am ready. I can't wait. Let's go downstairs. Matt Ardill and JD, thank you so much for that introduction. Yes, today we are talking about a writer, digging into the writer category here on the SNL Hall of Fame, a very current writer that I'm really excited to talk about, has turned in so many recent classics. It'll be fun digging into Julio Torres and his work as a writer on SNL. And to join me to break down a lot of Julio's work on SNL is a multi-time guest here on the SNL Hall of Fame, Mr. Sammy K. Welcome back to the podcast, Sammy. How you doing? Thomas, I'm 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 doing well. I'm happy to be back. I think this is my third appearance on the pod. So mm-hmm. uh, this is uh, I've done a writer before, a writer sketch performer, and then just in with Seth Meyers, and then I did Vanessa Bear, you know, a cast member, and now I'm doing a pure writer. So you know, excited to kind of you know go through all these different kinds of contributors to SNL on the pod with you. Yeah, I'm pumped to have you back. We're still waiting for Vanessa Bear to get the SNL Hall of Fame call. So it's going to yeah. happen. I know you and I are like two huge Vanessa Bear super fans, but I think, I don't know, I think give it a couple of years, I think it might happen. I think it's closer than anybody thinks, Sammy. You made a great case for Vanessa. 
I'll always, uh, on any podcast, uh, SNL or otherwise, make a great case for uh, the great Vanessa Bayer. So yeah, hopefully uh, one of these days, uh, you know, we, we finally uh, call her number down and, and, and give her her, uh, her her praise for the the Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. Y'all should go back and listen to our Vanessa Bear episode from last season and hear Sammy and I kind of fanboy over Vanessa Bear. That <laughs> That's a, a good way episode. to describe it. Yeah, yeah, complete fanboys. I'm not ashamed to say that. Uh, so, yeah, Sammy, thanks for coming back. Uh, before we get uh, dig into Julio Torres's work, uh, can uh, you tell all the listeners what you've been up to uh, over at the Saturday Night Network? Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, we're digging into season 49, and obviously we have a ton of different uh, shows that we put out for the, the new episodes of SNL most recently. Uh, I've kind of been all over the place. I, I've been on, uh, I was on the IO uh, Debris hot take show and uh, was recently on By the Numbers with Mike Murray. And then uh, I'm also the host of our super fan takeovers, which is, uh, you know, basically the, the number one destination you want to go to if you're a, a diehard SNL fan of all the seasons. We go in and we talk about the whole history of the show. Uh, we've recently recently did a uh, a one time host draft, which was a lot of fun. You know, drafting hosts that have only hosted the show one time, seeing mm-hmm. who we'd want to bring back and have them host Who's for your a second top pick time. For that? My top pick for that, I believe, was Conan O'Brien was my number That's one pick. One. And I, you know, so, that is one that I thought you know we kind of closed the book on, but now that he made that appearance in the five timer sketch for Mulaney a couple years back, and we're looking ahead to SNL fifty. You know, you never know what could happen, but so that, that one's a lot of fun. So, you know, you guys should definitely check that out. Yeah. The, the, that's always a great, you know, Sammy, uh, Bill Kenny is also on that pod. Of course. Uh, you got the Andrews, Haskell and Haynes tend to make appearances, right? We got both. We got both Both Andrews. Andrews. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So listen to, uh, Sammy and all of his work across the Saturday night network podcast universe. So, uh, yes, Sammy. So today we're talking about a writer. I know you were with me for uh, Seth Meyers. You helped get him into the SNL Hall of Fame. Now we're talking about Julio Torres. So an interesting one today, a very recent writer. And I'm curious, Sammy, from your perspective as an SNL super fan, for you, what qualities go into making a great SNL writer? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question because I think unlike, you know, most comedy shows or you know i mean you know snl is a a weekly variety show a sketch show that you know needs to churn out content you know on on a you know weekly basis or whenever there's a show you know be consistent so you 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 need a writer that's able to obviously handle that sort of workload but i think ultimately if you want to get your stuff on the show you need to have a a unique voice a, a unique point of view that's something that i would definitely ascribe to Julio Torres is someone who used their experience and kind of interesting tones of comedy and was able to put that into sketches where you 100% would watch a sketch and be like, I for sure knew Julio Torres wrote this sketch, but then also could have something that you maybe didn't necessarily see his fingerprints totally on, but kind of just worked as, I want to say a cog in the machine, but you know, was able to do the SNL formula of a sketch as well. So having that balance of putting out um, stuff with your own voice, but also being able to put out stuff on the consistent basis that you need with a show like SNL, if that if that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. I think you're absolutely right. I think you hit it right on the head as far as I really enjoy as a viewer 
being able to spot a certain writer's voice and sketches. That's why growing up, I was a big Jack Handy fan because you would watch a Jack Handy sketch and know Jack Handy was behind that unfrozen caveman lawyer kind of weird sketches like that. You knew it was a Jack Handy. Uh, So so I think Julio is kind of in the same vein. And you're right about not just doing, not just getting put in your own little sandbox over there in the corner as a writer. I think Julio showed, too, that he can play within SNL's confines. And we'll see that here. I mean, he wrote from 2016 to 2019, obviously a very heated political time in the country and in SNL. Julio did political sketches, but he put his own little twist on them. Yeah. Too. So, so I think you're absolutely right about he. You know, he was able to play within SNL's confines, but his personality and his background still came out. You know, his background being an immigrant from El Salvador and also a gay man. He had he had those viewpoints, the things that that make him him. And of course, he's just like very clever person too. So he had a clever touch uh, on a lot of his sketches. And this will be an interesting one, man. Like. Relatively recent, only a writer for three seasons. Yeah, so well, let's let's get going. I'm curious what what sketch do you want to bring to the table as far as Julio Torres? Yeah, there there are definitely a lot. And as you know, you sent over a list just to kind of refresh my memory on some of these. I'm like, oh my god, he has like a, a murderer's row of like right? just classic modern day sketches. So I don't know if I want to start with like the heavy hitters first or or whatnot. But you know, be, I think because you mentioned the political stuff, I think a great one to bring up would be through Donald's uh, Donald's eyes. And this is one that I honestly didn't realize until doing the research for this this episode that he wrote. But this is one that when I'm looking back at the Trump era of SNL, totally sticks out to me as a memorable sketch. And, you know, watching this one live, I'm just like, oh, man, like this is su- such an amazing concept. Um, you know, this is the one that people don't remember where um, John Cena is playing Donald Trump, and it's I think right around the time after the 2016 election, mm-hmm. and you're kind of you know doing like a day in the life of Trump and seeing it all through his point of view. So for the most part, unless you're looking at a reflection or something, you're not seeing John Cena, but um, you're you're seeing everybody else. And, and it honestly, kind of reminded me of the the I think it was the Reagan sketches from like the early 80s that they would yep. do, like from his point of view. Like I don't I I, I you know I, I'm sure like they maybe thought that there's some parallel there when they're coming up with this concept, but it, it's so surrealist and being able to take that feeling after the 2016 election of like, this is, this is the president now. And like, what is kind of like, you know, what is it like to look at through the world through Donald Trump? It, it was such a great sketch, so memorable. And I, I just, when I look back at that time frame and think about sketches that really, you know, broke through and, you know, last, cause a lot of those, political sketches don't necessarily hold up that one certainly does yeah i love how it explores the delusion of donald trump like he he, you're right he, he looks in the mirror and he looks like john cena so that is like that's how trump sees himself uh he's watching tv and it's an announcement that that huge suits and long ties are are in fashion and and uh i love the little detail of Trump processing things in small bits and fragmented sentences. Huge, huge success. Fantastic. Victory, landslide, Fox News. In fashion, big 
So he doesn't have like complex thoughts and, and even the way he processes the world is not complex. So this was just like little touch after little touch by Julio Torres. And I should say too, uh, along with his, his writing partner, Jeremy Byler, has contributed mm-hmm. to a lot of these sketches too. So Julio and Jeremy uh, are were definitely a really good team on SNL. But just the way Julio was so adept at political satire, Sammy, in such a smart way. Like you, I mean, we, a lot of us were remember vividly because it wasn't that long ago. At this point in SNL, a lot of it was just ripped from the headlines and verbatim yeah. of what somebody would say. But these were a breath of fresh air, in my opinion, Sammy. Like, what do you what do you say these compared to like a lot of other political sketches from around this time? Oh yeah, for sure. Like it, like a, a breath of fresh air is a great way to kind of describe it um, because. You know, you you have you are kind of bringing in all the characters that we've seen throughout those sketches where they're playing off of Alec Baldwin, you know, Kate McKinnon as, you know, Kellyanne Conway um, and, you know, Cecily Strong as Melania. You know, we've seen these characters before, but the way that he's kind of using these pieces within the world that he's building, um, it just kind of elevates it. And it's obviously going for something that's different from you know, something you'd show in a cold open. Like, I don't know, I don't remember exactly where this aired in the night, but, um, you know, it allowed um, the show to get a little bit weirder and, and a little bit more surreal with um, everything going on because it, it, it was a kind of surreal time, like especially right after the aftermath. So, you know, yeah. kind of matching it with this surreal sketch um, was, a, was a great kind of pairing. Yeah, from around this time, if it was if it was genuinely like really smart political satire, there's a decent chance that that Julio Torres and Jeremy Byler were uh, were behind it. So like sticking with the uh, the political sketches too, I like the way that he made uh, he developed a character in Melania Trump. He developed this character. He's behind those Melania moments that aired in season forty two, just kind of. Uh, showing things from 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 maybe her perspective, he got a chance to develop Cecily Strong as Melania, and it was a really like, and we'll see a theme throughout Julio's sketches. It was very like a dramatic presentation, uh, almost a soap opera like quality to a lot of these. So he really developed Melania and her character, obviously with the help of Cecily Strong. There's one in particular, Sammy. Um, I don't know if you remember this. It was during Kumail Nanjiani's episode. It was customer service where Kumail played a customer service agent and he ended up bonding with Melania. She, she was obviously starving for someone for a connection with somebody. So ended up being with this customer service agent that was in uh, season 43. That's a Julio piece. First and last name, please. Melania Trumps. <laughs> Excuse me? Trump, like uh, towers in the sky? She asked me a little bit about myself. Where are you from? Then very abruptly told me about her nightmares. She said she dreamt of a blue-eyed panther drinking by a river, looking up at her and calmly saying, Be careful what you wish for. Over the next few months, I became her confidant, dream journal, and one true friend. My shift started at midnight, and on occasion, I'd listen to her till dawn. Well, have you talked to him about that? It's difficult to talk to him about things that are not uh, solid, you know, things that are abstract. Right. She ordered over four. Yeah, that one is definitely one that I remember around. Yeah, the the Melania moments were such like a like a, a cool way to. I don't know if cool is the right word, but just being able to build out the Melania character. Like I, I think Cecily Strong played that so well. So 
Um, it, it makes a ton of sense in hindsight to kind of learn that Julio was the voice behind that and, you know, was able to make that such kind of like a lived in character that wasn't one dimensional or anything like that. And almost like you can easily see that being a one dimensional character, but he kind of um, added, you know, additional layers to her, which, um, you know, I don't think a ton of other writers would maybe do. No, no, I don't think so. Maybe from around that time, if they're tasked to do something political, I don't think a ton of other writers would have done it with as much precision and and wit as Julio did. I love the the detail you'd mentioned that there were layers to Melania, this Melania character. And in the customer service sketch, I love when, you know, Julio doesn't let Melania off the hook and just paint her as the victim because she... Uh, she was introspective and everything talking to this customer service agent, but she even pondered, like she said, if Donald is bully and I am married to Donald, am I helping bully? So that was like something that a lot of people talked about. Like she had this anti-bullying campaign and everybody's like, well, you're married to like the biggest bully in in the world, essentially biggest bully in the country. So isn't that kind of your something that you're at odds with? So Julio addressed that in in this sketch what i thought was great so that's like the layers uh to to this melania character that could have been very one note so uh where do you want to go from here i know he just has such wonderful recent uh uh, sketches i think uh another one to kind of um i don't know if stay on this theme is the right word but uh diego calls his mom comes to mind going back to his experience as an, as an immigrant and being able to blend kind of his background into his sketches. Like this is with Lin-Manuel Miranda for people who don't remember where he is um, an immigrant who, you know, just got a, a job um, in America and is, um, you know, kind of calling his mom in this pay phone. That's like in the middle of this cornfield, like everything that I, well, like when I think of like a Julio Torres sketch, the visuals of it, you know, I know that he's not necessarily directing these pieces, but he writes these sketches in a way where he kind of it, it paints a very vivid picture. And, you know, the SNL you know, directors behind these pre-tapes was able to really bring it to life. So that small detail I really like. But I mean, this is like a very almost kind of heartwarming sketch. You're not expecting it to be like heartwarming, but he's just able to like imbue so many funny observations about America, like that are obviously heightened, but like from you know, an outsider or immigrant experience uh, is super funny. My favorite element of that is um, saying how we we put carpet on everything, just like carpet everywhere um, is is a very funny detail. Um, And, you know, we saw this earlier in the Bad Bunny episode of this season, season 49, you know, being able to have a sketch, you know, with a different language involved, you know, and, you know, kind of using the language barrier within the element of the sketch to add to the humor so like in this sketch in particular he's only saying so many words in english but it, it adds to like the whole all you know the the humor of it all so uh yeah this, yeah this one definitely stands out this was one of his first uh real things to to pop on snl uh for julio that, that's i love i love the bits of using spanglish especially at the beginning hello mama hi mama ¿Qué tal estás? Te extraño mucho. Sí, North Dakota es muy bonito. Sí, uh, North Dakota es como se dice landlocked. Sí, los americanos comen algo que se llama marshmallow salad. Marshmallow salad. No vegetales, marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> 
Los americanos son grandes y toda su comida es grande. Le gusta comer Max with cheese, Little Debbie's, Twinkies de hostes, caceroles, stews, big mounds of yellow and orange food. So he's describing the food. That was a really kind of funny thread in the sketch is the is Diego describing the food, uh, the, the different uh, sayings that Diego has heard in North Dakota. Like these immigrants are coming to steal our jobs. And he says it like so matter of factly. There was uh, his he seemingly had a romance Diego did with Preston, the star quarterback. And Preston was obviously like the yeah this closeted like high school athlete who was really bonding with Diego. So there was that <laughs> there was that uh, uh, implication in the sketch. Preston had a, like a jealous girlfriend. I think that was Vanessa Bear who played the uh, the jealous girlfriend of Preston. Yeah. So there was a lot that Julio packed in to this sketch. And Sammy, it was like touching, and you said heartwarming. It was so heartwarming, but not. But there was that perfect balance between heartwarming and the but the jokes were still there. It wasn't just sentimentality. Yeah, no, th- definitely. I would say a running theme in a lot of his sketches is like I'm not saying that, like all of his sketches are heartwarming, but like a lot of them have heart or they have sort of an extra element to it that um, you know the, the the characters are very sincere, but the situations or the the concept they're they're going about. Um, are just absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, he was able to thread that needle um, really well in this sketch in particular. Yeah, I want to stick with something that I think has heart too and is definitely from Julio's perspective and probably how he was as a little boy and how he felt growing up as a boy. And this is, I know this is a fan favorite uh, and this is Julio and again, his writing partner, Jeremy Byler, um, this was a sketch from season 42 with Emma Stone, Bobby Moynihan, Cecily Strong voiced it. It was the Wells for Boys. Introducing Wells for Sensitive Little Boys from Fisher Price. Wells for Sensitive Boys to wish upon, confide in, and reflect by. Some boys live unexamined lives, but this one's heart is full of questions. Just hear how much. Yeah, this is uh, such a great piece. I feel like. Like a lot of his sketches, they they almost have like a cult following to them. I feel like if you meet somebody who says like, oh, one of my favorite SNL sketches is Wel- Wells for Boys, you're like, all right, this is like a true kind of modern day, you know, diehard SNL fan. But this one's really great. Uh, Emma Stone's kind of like the perfect host to pair for, for this material. And he obviously collaborates her, with her again uh, on the actress. But this sketch is so interesting because it's the whole idea that we're going to get a, a kid like this toy well. And it, it's something that like, as you're watching the sketch, you're like, I, I don't really at first get like what they're going for, but then like throughout as it continues and it's not a long piece. I think it's only like a minute and a half or two minutes. You like totally like it kind of clicks. You're like, Oh yeah, there are those kind of kids that you see or you remember seeing growing up, or maybe you were that kid, <laughs> or maybe you see on the, maybe you see like nowadays where you're like, that kid's just like kind of waiting to, to grow up, you know, he's, he's not like, like other kids. And, uh, I, I thought that that is just so funny. And I, and I love, I love it when SNL and I feel like Julio did this a lot, like, you know, it's, it's taking like this concept and, and it, it's, it's feeling like so real, like it's feeling like an actual kind of Fisher Price commercial. Um, so I like that element to it as well. And kind of like the, the button at the end where Emma Stone is kind of yelling at the other, <laughs> 
I, I assume it's her other son. Like, it's not entirely clear um, if it's like I a friend, maybe like but a like a classmate or something. Yeah, maybe a classmate. Yeah. I almost think it's funnier if you think it's like her other son. It's like, yeah, yeah. you know, because you have everything. Everything is for you. And this is his one thing. <laughs> um, you know, so thinking about it as like their siblings is, you know, makes it like a little, little funnier. Yeah. But re- regardless, um, yeah, it's just like it's it's so unique. Like, I, I feel like that's something I'm going to continue to say as we talk through his sketches. But it's um, so unique just and just super funny but it, it does kind of have that sort of this one's not maybe not as heartwarming and just more like you, you're kind of feeling for this kid <laughs> you know you kind of feel bad yeah. for him um but uh just just super super funny yeah kind of yeah you're right like feeling for this kid or you just want to like tell this kid it's gonna be okay and i think julio maybe has said this about this sketch like this the, the like you know it's gonna be okay for this kid not just not at that moment so he's just kind of like waiting for adulthood like this this sketch julio wrote some like great taglines for this sketch like it starts off with cecily saying some boys live unexamined lives but this one's heart is full of questions you know this kid's like a deep thinker and very introspective uh she also says some boys like to play others just sort of wait wait around for adulthood which perfectly encapsulates what this sketch is about sammy i think one of my favorite threads in this in this sketch in this ad parody is the that bobby as the dad is struggling to make a connection with his son so what is he putting in there a secret he'll grow up to have a wildly passionate and successful creative life but not just yet hey spencer 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 yes no. And then this is the befuddled yeah. look on Bobby's face, like how he's he's just like wants to connect with his sensitive little boy, but he just doesn't know how. He's confused by what that the secret that Spencer's putting into the well. There's just so many little details about what the boy does with the well, running his fingers along the side, looking at his ref, pondering his reflection. There's just like you mentioned, it's a relatively short sketch, but it's just like. But hits you one right after the other with like clever line, clever. They add there's escalation in it too. Like this is just mm-hmm. one of the I think, better pieces over the last few years uh, on SNL. Honestly, yeah, yeah, and and I think he, like uh, a trend in a lot of his sketches is like he he knows how to end of sketch. You know, I True. feel like that could be a, that could be a problem. Um, you know, with SNL, it's always been a problem with SNL because, you know, just the, the fact that you're putting out so much material, like you're not always going to have the perfect ending, but I feel like, you know, in this sketch and, and honestly, like most of the ones that I revisited, if not all of them, they, they, la- they, they land that final joke and they land that final beat. And, um, you know, I think you got to commend them for that. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I, I tend not to hold SNL sketches to the responsibility of ending Right. So to me, it's bonus points like Julio. You're right. He knows how to end a sketch. And that's bonus points. If you ever watch old episodes of Kids in the Hall, they never ended a sketch like like the sketch was over because they just ended it. And then they went on to the next one. There was no like great button. Uh, If you watch a lot of great sketch comedy shows like the sketch is over when they just kind of abruptly end it. So ending a sketch is is really hard. So Julio gets bonus points for being able to like concisely uh, and and appropriately wrap a sketch up in a nice little bow 
like the this this sketch they they also added i love the um the the little thing of them adding the the other the other toys so like a balcony when when he's ready to make an announcement a uh, broken mirror to contemplate his his uh reflection or like just just the, the, those those two little elements too so wells for boys i just showed my wife like a half hour ago before we started recording i'm like do you remember this one i know she was watching the episode with me but she had to be reminded and she's like oh that was brilliant that was brilliant thanks for showing me so everybody who sees this just th- this is one of those where even if it's not an snl fan they might say oh i don't like snl but that wells for boys sketch was hilarious it's a great way to put it should we should we throw in another sketch here absolutely um yeah, I think the next one that I want to talk about is, let's go with The Sink. The Sink okay. is uh, another one kind of from early on in his first season. Um, and I think I was reading an interview on this one where um, that may or may not have been like the actual sink in Julio Torres's apartment. I, I, I hope <laughs> I'm not misquoting this interview or, or maybe a friend's apartment or something like that uh-huh. where like, you know, there, there, there was this real sink like SNL, like didn't have to like make make this like so i i think that kind of adds to i don't know just i feel like he is just a writer that just like you know takes from his experiences and finds ways to like take take things from his life or things he sees and and turn them into a sketch because um you know i'd love to see how he pitched this because the the concept of it is um there's just like this uh, this kind of ridiculous sink like this kind of very glass kind of fancy looking wide, huge sink. And it's kind of a scrap. It's kind of given like a, like a personality and like a voice and the voice is Emily Blunt. Am I too much? Oh my God. Simply too much. I'm gigantic. I feel overdressed and like I'm in everyone's way. Why do I have to be such a statement? Look at that toilet. It's just a toilet. I look like Zeus was christened in me. It's the perfect voice for the sink who feels like, you know, they're just like worthless and they're taking up too much space. And, you know, they don't, uh, they don't feel like they, like there's a utility to them that the toilet next to them has, but the toilet just looks like a normal toilet and the sink looks like a ridiculous huge thing. And it kind of makes me think like, oh yeah, there are just sometimes you just go to like a bathroom and there's just like <laughs> an insane kind of setup and you're like, you know, we, we don't need all this. And yeah. um, it just, uh, yeah, it's just uh, another kind of example of him being able to combine his sort of bizarre sense of humor with like a bit of a sincere tone, like, because the the sink like has like doubts like the sink like has like all these human emotions and the juxt the juxtaposition of it is uh just so funny and clever yeah this was a great one uh this this makes me think that julio was definitely that little boy from wells for boys the way the way he thinks the very deep thoughts like this is a very julio piece in its existentialism like this sink is having these thoughts about its own existence and its own utility. And that's a very like that, 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 then some a writing like this can only come from someone who has those thoughts on a daily basis. And you could tell that Julio thinks like that, like on a daily basis, probably since he was a child. So this is like a perfect 
Julio piece. I think Julio too, I've heard him cite this as possibly his favorite sketch that he wrote for SNL. So Mm. it seems like it's something personal for him too. Yeah, well, that would add on to the theory that this is his uh, his actual sink, you know, mm-hmm. very, we'll very, go with that. very personal sketch. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely go with that. I think it is now the sink season 42, episode three. Uh, again, another very short piece like it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's what I love about a lot of these pieces is you're into it. It delivers joke after joke. It's funny, heartwarming, and then it gets out. So that's yeah. a lot of Mark from Julio as well. Yeah, no, that definitely, and that kind of throw it's bit a bit of a throwback to older SNL. I feel like older SNL was more fast and loose with you know a sketch could be thirty seconds, it could be like a very short commercial parody or something like that, and I, and I feel like we've maybe gotten away from that a little bit. So you know, obviously this was only a couple years ago now, but um, you know, would love to see that kind of return to shorter pieces uh, on the show. He has so many more like classic ones. I have three that stick out above the rest. I'm going to ask you, Sammy, to pick a number one, two, or three, and then that's what we'll talk about next. Okay. Let's go with two. All right. So season 43, episode one, Ryan Gosling. Julio was behind Papyrus, which I didn't know this was Julio for, for a few seasons, for, for the longest time. And, and when I, once I started digging into his work a couple years back, I'm like, are you kidding me? Julio Torres wrote Papyrus. This was such like a wonderful and another Julio theme, like an over-the-top dramatic look at something seemingly mundane. Like, what do you remember about Papyrus, Sammy? Oh, I mean, this, again, we, we keep saying it, just a, a modern classic. I think it says a lot about his thought process and sense of humor that, you know, this sketch, I mean, they call it out in the sketch, like, is... This came out so many years after Avatar came out. You know, Avatar came out in 2009. I think the sketches were maybe like 2017 or 2018. Yeah. So I imagine that he is almost like, you know, the, the Ryan Gosling character is almost like a surrogate for him to where like he was probably thinking about this for years. Like the Avatar font using the Papyrus logo is like insane because it's like the highest grossing film of all time, like the biggest movie ever. And, you know, it's almost like they could have picked Times New Roman or like any any like <laughs> basic font. Um, and, you know, I could see why that could like drive you crazy. And it's such like a specific detail to pick up on. And he just totally milks this concept for everything you can out of it and totally takes it to the level you want it, want it to go to make it sort of a classic sketch. I forgot about it for years, but then I remembered that Avatar, a giant international blockbuster, used the papyrus font as its logo. Avatar. Him talking to his therapist and everything, and I know we're talking about him as a writer, but Ryan Gosling, like, I I wonder if you have another actor in this sketch, you know, that it doesn't live up to the material. Maybe it doesn't become the classic that it is, but he absolutely murders it in the sketch and it is one that I, I definitely when I'm thinking back at like modern day SNL is just a a, a classic sketch. Well I think that's part of being a good SNL writer is picking your spots as far as uh, who the host is and what you pitch and and I don't think it's a coincidence that he had he had a lot of really great sketches and material for like Ryan Gosling who honestly 
excellent SNL host. Ryan Gosling is an awesome SNL host. Emma Stone was in at least two classic sketches that Julio wrote. I don't think that's much of a coincidence. I think they writers want to save a lot of their best material for the host they think who can who can really do it justice and elevate it. So the fact that Gosling was in this, I still kind of credit Julio uh, for that a little bit. And there, in this one too, you you did such a great job of describing a lot of what I love about Papyrus. There's also escalation to like Gosling describing other places where you might see the Papyrus font. Okay, where else do you even see this font? Hookah bars, Shakira merch. <laughs> Off-brand tees. <laughs> Just such specific places. And uh, I couldn't, I can't be the only SNL fan who opened up Microsoft Word and typed Avatar and put the Papyrus font on it just to kind of like double check and see. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So yeah, I can't yeah. be the only nerd who did that, Sammy. Yeah, and I, I think another great detail, again, like talking about like the time frame of when this sketch came out, like it almost feels like if this came out right when Avatar came out and then it was like a more topical sketch, you know, they wouldn't have been able to make it this sort of manic thing. Like, you know, like if it was like a coming right off of the success of it, it, it may, maybe would have been lost in the shuffle. But having those kind of years to kind of build on this idea right. of this character and then while he's in his therapy session, you know, the therapist is like, oh, is this because like the sequels are coming out? And he's like, they're making more of them. <laughs> like, please tell me they changed the font. <laughs> it's just, and uh, again, like kind of like you said, like amazing that Julio Torres was, was the, the guy behind it. Cause you know, he's, uh, but it makes sense when you learn that he did. That's just a theme that, that you talked about when we opened the podcast. It's just like, when you see a list of the sketches that Julio did, you're just like marveling, like, oh my god, he did that. He was behind that. He wrote that. Like, there that, that happened to me a bunch. Like, like when I when I started digging into what he wrote. So, uh, yeah, this is just another example. Uh, I know, I know, uh, you probably have more on your list, Sammy. Why don't you hit me with the next one? Uh, I, I think we got to talk about um, the actress. Excuse me. Hello, I'm Grace. Uh, are you the director of the film? What? I'm the lead actress. I played the woman who gets cheated on in the gay porn. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you about my line, if you have a moment. Um, I open the door and I say, Jared, what are you doing? Not with my godson. Like that? Is that my godson? Yeah. Fascinating. Go put on whatever you want from the woman, Ben. You'll get your meal voucher after we wrap. Thank you. You know, we got we got to get to it, you know, because um, I, I, I think this might be it's either Papyrus or the actress, I feel like, are the, the two that I feel like um, are, like, his his biggest sketches. Um, another collaboration with Emma Stone, clearly, and, you know, these are from separate episodes. Like, this is when she came back to host a couple years later, I believe, after Welfare Boys. So, um, you know, I'd like to think that they, like, she likes his sense of humor. I mean, obviously, you know, she's recently worked with Nathan Fielder, so she has, like, a very eclectic taste in comedy. And um, again, this is taking such a silly idea and presenting it in like the most dramatic possible way. The idea that this person is trying to make it as an actress and is, you know, maybe thinking about the her, her performance from like a method perspective and, and trying to be like 
you know, the Daniel Day Lewis of yeah. her, you know, generation. But you find out quickly, and Beck Bennett in the sketch, like this is like the perfect casting choice for perfect. uh what you learn is the porn director of of this. And you know, she's playing, you know, a wife, but she's playing the the wife of two uh gay uh, or the, the wife of a, a you know a, a gay man or seemingly gay um and is you know they're having an affair with uh i think the godson right godson. Is, uh, yeah yeah which is again like such a silly funny detail and she's just trying to find this character and uh emma stone i think you know obviously she just came back to host snl this season uh one of the best modern day snl hosts uh honestly maybe like my favorite actress in general so having her be the person in the sketch anchoring it totally, you know, makes it like a, a slam dunk home run and her just trying to like crack the character. And while, you know, you keep being reminded that this is for a gay porno is just such a funny concept. And they, they, they totally continue to escalate it to the end where she has this epiphany on, and, you know, finally unlocking the character and Beck Bennett's yeah. like, yeah, we're just going to cut that out. Like just, Again, going back to him being able to end sketches, just like a perfect way to kind of wrap that up. Yeah, at the end when she's in her car. Deirdre, how do I get you out of me? I can't take you with me. I'm sorry. This is it. Goodbye. She's this method actress who like, uh, who who just summoned this character for this very like inconsequential silly part and again like a dramatic rendition of something very silly that's like a julio torres hallmark is 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 this is this uh pomp and circumstance and all this drama and passion and it's like just this really silly thing the sequence of her finding the backstory uh and the props being pigeonholed into deirdre's backstory like she looks at the it was like the 2007 New Year's Eve or 2017 New Year's Eve sunglasses, the UGG boot, the the one random UGG boot, the pack of batteries, and Emma Stone's uh, characters like trying to find like her her character's backstory as far as like what do these props mean and it's just like so much fun, so many little details packed in. Like these are the types of sketches that I that I can't take my eyes off of, and uh, Emma's delivery of uh, uh, when when she uh, flatly says. Why is Godson sleeping over? I felt the bruises. That I wrote, I wrote that down out. as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She has her delivery and Julio's writing. So her delivery of Julio's writing just cracks me up. She is such a good actress and she's good at playing this like very bland sort of medi- mediocre actress. And, right. uh, you know, Julio... Julio's writing, just being able to create this character and, you know, finding like the right host to kind of pitch it to, like, um, you know, it, it makes sense why he was able to get so much on during his time at the show. Yeah, he was three seasons, but he packed so much into those three seasons. Gosh, there was uh, another one. I don't, think, I don't know if you have anything more about the actress. I think well, one last thing is Bo and Yang helped Julio write this too so i gotta shout out bow and yang for this yeah no definitely shout out bow and yang and i think um he had a quote this year where they were saying how because obviously emma stone came back to host how you know they weren't going to do a sequel to it and i think 
you know, as far as I can tell, for the most part, you know, Julio did a lot of, I mean, most of his sketches were kind of one and done and they were so original. So the fact that, you know, they didn't want to do that and, and kind of bring that back kind of goes to show like they weren't going to, you know, put something out there that they didn't think was going to, you know, live up to the original. So I think you got to commend them for that. Yeah, that's a great call. I think those Melania moments were the only things that I really noted that were, that were recurring things, but everything else was just a brilliant one and done. There there was a, an example of something that I, that I love about Julio, like just, just very Julio Torres observations about like, for instance, like the grandiose nature of sectional couches, (laughs) something so mundane but Julio has just such specific observations about it. So this was in the Louis C.K. episode from season 42. It was the sectional sofa emporium. When I was a little boy, my grandmother bought me a new couch. And I looked at it and I said, where's the rest of it? <laughs> that is the first of many stories you're going to hear. This is going to be long. <laughs> what if I told you that where most people's couches end, yours can bend and keep going? Sammy, I loved this when as it aired, and I was so thrilled to find out that this was a Julio Torres and, and Jeremy Byler piece. Yeah, honestly, th- this is one that during the research is one that I completely forgot existed and immediately kind of shot up my rankings on a rewatch of like, oh, wow, this is super funny. And this is, you know, kind of different from a lot of the other sketches we've talked about because. I don't think this this isn't a pre-tape, right? This is more of a live sketch, or there's maybe pre-tape elements. There know, might be. Elements. A, yeah, it seems like it's a little it's a little mixed. A mix. yeah. yeah. So, but uh, regardless, this is an example of him being able to accomplish his tone and his humor in a live sketch, even if there is kind of a mix of um, you know live and pre-recorded mm-hmm. elements. Uh, it's something that, you know, for the most part, everyone has experience with, with sectional couches or having them sitting on them, whatever. And he's just, uh, making, just trying to find every single aspect of how to make it like so ridiculous. Um, and having this kind of salesman of it, pitching it like it's kind of like a, a late night infomercial, um, mm-hmm. it is really funny. Um, I think, uh, you know, Cecily in the sketch is great. Uh, the, they keep, you know, cutting the shots to her and, and A.D. Bryant especially as well. Oh, demanding, you know, bigger and bigger couches. Uh, it, it's a sketch that when you like try to describe, like unlike some of these other sketches, they feel like they're almost like mini movies. This is one that's like completely absurdist and leans way more on that sort of surrealist absurd comedy that Julia would kind of embed in his sketches. It reminds me of like a, something Jack Handy would have, would have written in the nineties. And that's such a huge compliment to Julio. I think Julio and his writing partners cite like Phil Hartman as a cast member that they really love. And I could tell like there's Jack Handy, Phil Hartman kind of bizarre elements to a lot, a lot of the way they think. And some of the, some of the specific wording is just so like poetic and literary about something so mundane. Like when Louis C.K. is sitting in, in like the middle seat. This seat is called the Nexus. It is the eye of the storm. The rest of the sectional is born from this point. And that is how they are made. Periods. 
that's such like a funny literary way to put something that I just never really thought about. Like, what is that seat in a a sectional? Like, apparently (laughs) it's the Nexus. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, just asking, like, why people don't have sectional couches and saying, like, you know, these are all made on Earth. And, like, that's just, like, his whole point as to why you would have a sectional couch. Um, And then you do get a little bit of the kind of emotional sort of pathos you get from a Julio Torres sketch towards the end where the Louis C.K. character breaks KFAB a little bit and, like, kind of goes on about how he used to have a family, but now he... (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of, like, the backstory is, like, he used to have a family, but he kind of gave it all up for this business to be like a sectional couch um, salesman kind of like that. That is uh, yeah, really, really funny. But then he wasn't a salesperson. He just like he, he, he just has a warehouse because he didn't know what to do with all of his sectional couches, but he wanted to show them off. So they specifically say like the couches aren't for sale that he just wanted to do an information right, to show right. off the couches. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That, yeah, I, I, I that uh, makes it, even sort of like more unexpected the way they, they kind of uh, take that towards the end there. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, that's another example of Julio and Jeremy just like ending a sketch really well. And that's kind of like, that's a running thread. And I, I totally, I didn't totally think of that when I was watching all of these until you put it that way, Sammy, but yeah, but bonus points for Julio for being like a, a rare sketch comedy writer, just in general, who seems to know how to end sketches. So yeah, and, and I like your way of uh, putting that. I'm going to like, as far as the bonus points go, like I'm going to take that away from this podcast as I you know, continue my career as an SNL podcaster where it's like, you know what? Like it should be extra, like an extra pat on the back if you're able to excel kind of like Julio is uh, in that regard. Yeah, definitely. I want to urge a lot of listeners of that. Like if, if, if you just watch Old Kids in the Hall old Mr. Show, even like Tim Robinson. Everybody loves Tim Robinson's sketch show, as do I. He doesn't end sketches. He just sort of like fades to black and then on to the yeah. next one. So so I always have to remember that and remind people, like don't hold SNL to ending sketches. Just give people like Julio Torres bonus points if they happen to, uh, to be able to do it. <laughs> so is there anything that if we were running like a um, – at Julio's by by his bust at the SNL Hall of Fame, and then we were running video of sketches. There is there anything else that that maybe um, should go into into that highlight reel? Ooh, okay. Th- this one may be a bit of a, a deep cut, but as I was doing my research on it, I uh, you know today for this pod, I was like, oh man, like if I have time, I, I will shout out. I won't. We don't have to go super yeah. in depth on it. But uh, new wife, which is from the Larry David episode. This was also written by, uh, written with James Anderson. I think, I mean, so this one is Larry David is, is I think a lawyer and he's bringing his new wife to some get together with other lawyers. I think Kate McKinnon's in this and, and Beck Bennett and Chris Redd. And, um, the, the, this new wife is played by Cecily Strong. And she, I, I think if I'm remembering the details of the sketch correctly, uh, works at this like gay bar establishment called mm-hmm. Bottoms. And it's just like this whole sketch um, imbues so much sort of like gay culture and satirize that, satirizes that in the sketch. Like, you know, she, um, you know, sings a song and, and, and brings out these dancers. And you have Larry David in this like ridiculous 
suit with a big cigar and he absolutely breaks towards the end of the sketch and it is amazing to see and i think it is a compliment to julio's writing and, and james anderson that you have somebody who's such like a legend you know especially who's a performer and writer and larry david that you have written a piece that is so funny that he is is unable to keep it together that's how um funny it is oh look at the time yeah. <laughs> we, gotta go. we gotta go now if we wanna if we wanna be at power bottoms for her <laughs> you know 3 30 a.m performance <laughs> Okay, but uh, we do have a meeting at 6 a.m. Yeah, we got that 6 a.m. meeting, man. Oh, that's a great one. I like that. Julio likes to weave in gay lingo into some of his sketches. He came back in season 45 and uh, along with Bo and Yang helped write that Sarah Lee sketch with Harry, with Harry Styles in it and you so you see a lot of that, a lot of a lot of uh, gay lingo in that, but with yeah, with new wife, like, well, I think my favorite oh, quote from this sketch is the gay world isn't isn't just one thing. It's a complex tapestry of cultures. Like that's such a definitely in Julio's voice. Like that's so well worded. <laughs> uh, you know, that's what Julio when he was pitching this sketch is like, that's that's kind of what this sketch is about. So he, Larry David saying that just uh, cracked me up. That's a really great shout out, Sammy. And yeah, Julio just did so many through like. If we're doing a lightning round of other stuff that he did, there was a really cool in season 42, it was a US Customs Welcome video and it addressed it actually addressed the Muslim band. So like uh there was like a questionnaire that just said are you Muslim yes or no, said you'll be required to eat a hot dog in front of us, like one of the customs guys said that. So so that was a Julio piece, the Game of Life DACA edition that he did with Anna Dresden. That that was really like at the time like uh, probably very personal to Julio I'm sure as an immigrant that was just wonderful political satire drag brunch was is actually kind of, was like a guilty kind of pleasure of mine in the John Mulaney hosted episode do you remember that one Sammy I don't know how well uh, it was yeah, like at large but but I yeah. actually really enjoyed the concept do you remember this. That that one, uh, I very vaguely. I, I may need mm-hmm. you to give me a a bit more of the, the concept of this one. So these group, this group of friends, uh, it was like Alex Moffat, A.D. Bryant, uh, a couple of other people. They went to this uh, to go have lunch or brunch at this drag brunch. So John Mulaney was dressed in dressed in drag, and the concept is that the drag the people the waitresses dressed in drag say these sassy things to the customers. So so John Mulaney and drag saying these like playful sassy things but then he stares alex moffat right in the face and loses the character and uh and says like really mean personal things to alex alex moffat in his real voice somebody best be calling the fire department about this one because that smoky eye situation has become a stop drop and roll one oh, she got me <laughs> you've never worked for anything in your life <laughs> You've had everything handed to you. The one thing you haven't been able to purchase is a personality and a soul. All right, bitches. I'm going to sashay away and grab... So it's just like the the funny little play on that. There's like funny lines in that too when they said, this must have taken you forever to... at least two hours to get into this costume. 
And he's like, oh, it took me four hours. And he says, contouring takes a while if you're new to it. Like, there's just these <laughs> little there's like little lines like that that, like, like Julio will put into his sketches that crack me up. So that was a John Mulaney thing. I think yeah. Julio worked with James Anderson on that, too. Uh, yeah. The, no, that, not, uh, now that you've described it, I, I definitely remember that one, and I'll have to revisit it. Yeah, revisit that. There's, there's one more that I'm surprised I just didn't totally highlight that I thought it was funny. It was a, uh, it was an idea of again something that's really mundane, but presented in a dramatic way is is a sketch called checks. So it was the concept is just like how fun is it? I know we all use check cards and and this and that, but how fun is it to just write a check and rip it off the checkbook dramatically? And so it describes like situations where somebody would write a check and just do it dramatically like that. So like making him leave your daughter, uh, buying poison and, and all these stuff. And you can get them in different styles like baseball, Daffy duck or Michigan state. So, so the way (laughs) Julio, like this is just a, such a funny, funny sketch from season 44. So that's another one in Julio's voice that I remember. And it was one where I didn't know Julio did it at the time, but finding out, I'm like, Oh, that makes complete sense. Yeah, I feel like that that's another running theme is like, you know, going back to like the qualities that make an SNL writer being able to pick up on like their fingerprints and their voice, um, you know, so being able to revisit a lot of these and realizing that Julio Torres, you know, wrote these sketches, then it, it kind of all, you know, clicks into place. You're like, yes, like I definitely see his his touch on here. And you're not going to get that with every SNL writer. You are going to have the ones that, you know, are not as. I mean, obviously he he's surreal, but you know, uh, you know, ha- having more of a you know an SNL sketch type of writer and is able mm-hmm. to put out SNL sketches. But Julio, you know, like we said earlier, was able to kind of walk that line in a really great way. Yeah, exactly. And I think it bears repeating that he was on staff for three seasons, and that's it. Like that's a relatively short period of time to be on an SNL writer and to put forth as much quality material as he did. So Sammy, like, do you think it may impact Julio's candidacy that he was only a writer for such a short period of time? I think at face value, you could say that. And I, and I feel like that is always when you're looking into like what makes somebody worthy of the hall of fame. Like I'm sure longevity is something that people consider. I definitely consider it. But if you're looking at quality, you know, we've talked about so many sketches um, today that, are really all-time kind of modern classics. And if we look back at like the beginning of the show, you know, like when SNL first started in 1975, you know, that original cast was only on for five years. And, you know, some of those writers were only a part of the show for five years. So the fact that Julio, you know, obviously he's not an OG by any means, but he was able to make an impact in that short amount of time. And, and I think, you know, that definitely helps his case for sure. Like he he has some slam dunk sketches that deserve the praise. What do you think of Julio's legacy is uh, on SNL, especially given like his short period of time there? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he, in a way was able to bring, bring his experience both from being an, you know, an an immigrant and, you know, having that background um, as well as, you know, uh, providing like a, a much needed, gay sort of voice on the show to, you know, op- open those doors and, and and bring that kind of humor to SNL, which especially if you're looking at like the the early 2000s, you know, the way that 
those kind of minority groups were portrayed is a total different time. And, you know, a lot of those sketches don't hold up well. And, you know, he was able to really bring that humor and and make it work in, in the SNL environment in such a great way, you know, made so many classic sketches as absolutely we've, you know, discussed today. And I really think that SNL today in, in 2024 is still looking for somebody kind of like Julio Torres that can put out these pieces, you know, obviously from, you know, if we're looking at pre-tapes, you know, this was such a great era for pre-tapes and Julio um, was such a huge part of that. And, you know, I, I think we're, we're still kind of, you know, waiting for somebody like him to be a part of like the current iteration of SNL. And, and I think that just adds to his legacy for sure. So there's that. Thank you so much, Thomas Senna and Sammy Kay. A well-reasoned argument as to why Julio Torres belongs in the SNL Hall of Fame. But it all comes down to you when voting opens. It's all about the listener. When voting opens, you'll get your choice to cast 15 ballots and we'll tabulate them. I'll make Matt and Thomas take off their shoes and socks so we have some extra toes to count with. And if you hit 66.7%, well, like we say in the pee business, you're in. So there's that. Let's now go to a sketch that features uh, the writing of Julio Torres. This is a pre-tape and it's called, well, it's called Papyrus. And you may know it. It's a modern day classic. Let's go to that now. It happened again. I thought it was behind me, but the dreams came back. I was up all night. I can't eat. I can't sleep. What's wrong? It haunts me. Nothing? I forgot about it for years, but then I remembered that Avatar, the giant international blockbuster, used the papyrus font as its logo. Avatar, the movie from like nine years ago? Yeah, he just highlighted Avatar, he clicked the drop-down menu, and then he just randomly selected papyrus, like a, like a thoughtless child just wandering by a garden, just yanking leaves along the way. And so now you're worried about the sequels that are coming out? They're making more? Yes, I, well, I think I heard that one. So they changed the artwork. They fixed it. Um, it looks similar. He just got away with it. This man, this professional graphic designer. Was it laziness? Was it cruelty? You've shown me this before. I don't even think this is literally papyrus. Maybe that was a starting point, but they clearly modified this. But whatever they did, it wasn't enough! <laughs> and now here I am doing what I vowed to never do again. 
sitting outside his house, hoping to catch a glimpse of him, to see him do his little things, live his insane little life. I think about it every time I see Papyrus. Okay, where else do you even see this font? Hookah bars, Shakira merch, off-brand teas. <laughs> the Avatar logo. Uh, yeah, it was tribal yet futuristic. Papyrus! <laughs> uh, sure. You know what you did? I know what you did! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is so good. Get uh get on YouTube and give it a watch as well because there is you know there are some visuals to these sketches and um that is a damn good one. Gosling is great in his role and man, I just love that sketch. I'm a I'm a bit of a fontmeister. Actually, if you're a fontmeister, you should call it typeface meister because uh well that's just what they call it. At any rate. I want to thank Sammy K once again for joining us. You can follow his work at the SNN. Uh, they often do super fan takeovers, and there's lots of good stuff there. Next week, however, I'm very excited as well, as we're discussing an original cast member in Lorraine Newman. We've also got special guests from the Not Ready for Primetime podcast. Give that one a listen. It's a twofer, as we welcome Gary Seath, and Brad Robinson to the podcast. So that should be a good one. Will Lorraine make it? Well, you'll have to tune in and listen to the argument and make that decision yourself. Now, if you would do me a favor, and as you're leaving, walk on past the Weekend Update exhibit. There's a light switch on the wall. Turn it off, because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>